there is help for this and that you're willing to help them. Um, and, you know, go about the conversation that I just had. And then probably you're going to have to look for the therapist because they're not going to have the energy to look for somebody. So then you want to, you know, do some research in trying to find a couple of people that, you know, would fit the bill for you. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss what to do if you fear your spouse is having suicidal thoughts. What are the signs and what can you do? Stay tuned. The whole mission of Hitched is to help couples enjoy their marriage and live happily ever after. That's one of the reasons we have the Hitched Wine Club. We wanted to offer something that would be a reminder every month for couples to sit down, reconnect, and enjoy the company of one another. We have partnered with the fantastic Touring and Tasting who hand-select the wines that will be delivered to your door each month. You can go to our website, hitchedmag.com, click on the Wine Club link, and check out the different club options available to you. Again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link. Cheers! Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, it is great to speak again. Um, I have been away for a couple weeks, although you might not know it from the, <laughs> the weekly release of the podcast. Um, but we are back today, and um, I've been, you know, this is in October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I happened to come across a report that said um, more men now die of suicide in the United States each year than women do from breast cancer, which uh, I found really shocking. And so I wanted to talk to you about spousal support in, in this regard of mental health and depression and, and particularly of men in the U.S., so um, I guess the first thing I should ask is what are some signs or common signs of depression or suicidal thoughts that uh, a spouse should look out for? Well, I think that if uh, your mate, and this could go, you know, for either one, but we, you know, we'll direct it towards the men. If there's a lack of motivation, if there's a change in uh, eating habits, sleeping um, if there's a loss of weight, um, if there's difficulty concentrating, um, if there's difficulty with, um, making decisions, uh, because a lot of times depression will interfere with concentration and decision-making, you know, mm. with cognitive, uh, functions, um, if there's not much energy, those are all the kinds of things that are symptomatic of depression. Now, depression does not automatically mean that somebody's having suicidal thoughts. Okay. Um, but very often when somebody commits suicide, um, they have been depressed. But again, I want to also say that there are people who decide to commit suicide and there haven't necessarily been signs previously that are indicative that 
they were at that extreme. Mm-hmm. And especially for men and women, uh, very often what we see is that when a man decides to commit suicide, he is much more decisive about it than a woman is. And he is much more aggressive about it. The uh, manner in which a man commits suicide is much more definitive. Um, he will uh, shoot himself. He will hang himself, whereas a woman very often is more passive about it, where she'll take pills and things like that mm-hmm. um, so that she's more likely to survive it or for somebody to um, find her before the act is actually finalized. Um, and so very often when a male does it, um, he does it, he means to do it, and it's a finished act. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, 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 I guess I'll just ask this now. Um, I know sometimes you watch commercials with um, prescription drugs mm-hmm. and it'll say, ask your doctor. And then there's all these side effects. And a mm-hmm. lot of times you'll hear, you know, and suicidal thoughts is one of the side effects. How, mm-hmm. how prevalent do you think something like that is? You and know, it, and it, it's way- hard for me. Yeah. It's really hard for me to say. And I think that, you know, anytime you're taking medicine, you do run the risk that there are certain medicines that could can cause it. And they have to have that warning because otherwise they're in trouble if they haven't warned you of that. Um, so they have to let you know that. So even if there's a one or two person uh, report that somebody has had suicidal thinking, they have to inform the public that that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in this age of over... Uh, oversaturation of information and so many resources out there. Uh, people will go out there and Google uh, different symptoms that they might think that they have, which is a sign of depression or suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts. And I, you know, obviously making the distinction between the two. What are some red herrings that people might get sucked into that don't really mean much? Okay, so one of the biggest ones um, is somebody could be grieving. Um, grief looks a lot like depression and it is not, but it looks a lot where, again, you don't have any interest in anything. You don't have any energy. Um, you know, you're just very down. Um, but grief is not depression. Mm -hmm. It's grief. Um, another thing is, and I, I wouldn't suggest that a mate asks this question, but if I'm working with a client And a client tells me they're depressed. And I say to them, you know, do you have any suicidal thoughts? And they might say to me, well, yes, you know, I I have thought about it. I will say to them, do you think that you are a danger for really acting on them? Because there are times that when you're feeling really lousy, you do think to yourself, wow, it would just be so much easier, you know, if I didn't have to go through this pain or if I didn't have to deal with all the challenges I'm facing. But having the thought and actually going ahead and taking actions toward that end are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, again, um, if I am not a professional and I'm the mate, if my mate tells me, well, yes, I am having suicidal thinking, I'm going to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. But I do want to make the distinction. And I think even more so for the people who might um, 
periodically say to themselves, oh, God, you know, I, I really just feel like I can't stand this anymore, that they don't necessarily, you know, um, run to the nearest psychiatric hospital and say, you know, I'm, I'm really, really in trouble. On the other hand, I don't think that if you're feeling really horrible, um, that you ignore it. Mm-hmm. But here's something that I think is an important piece of information. One of the ways that we look at whether we decide somebody's depressed or not is we look to see are the symptoms that I just described to you going on consistently for two weeks. Mm. So it's not like you have a bad day here or there or even a couple of days that are really down in the dumps. But are these lethargic feelings, um, are these um, the sense of, you know, everything is just so negative, so bleak, no energy, no motivation, no concentration, you know, that whole picture that I'm painting, is that something that is continuing consistently for two weeks? Then we say, okay, now we're going to label you as depressed. Okay. And, and so two weeks is the marker. And you mentioned, this is not a question that you would have as a spouse ask, why, why not have be the spouse who asked that question? Well, because even with my clients, when they tell it to me, I just can tell the way they're saying it to me, whether it's someone I have to watch out for or not. I don't know, but you know, I'm doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know that as a mate, you really have the objectivity and the knowledge to know whether the answer you're getting, the um, manner in which it's stated, um, they, I, I can't even explain it. You know, it, it's just too, you're too close to the subject, kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if your mate says to you, "Well, yeah, you know, I have th- thought about it," I think you have to pay attention to it. Yeah, I do think you have to pay attention, but I think it's an it's an important question. You know, your mate could say to you, "No, I would never do that," yeah. and then you know, okay, fine. But if your mate says, "Well, yeah, there are days that you know, or nights that it, it just seems like it would just be so much easier." I think you have to pay attention. And then rather than try to dig in, hand it off to a, a professional who can kind well, of yeah, ask this. Yeah. yeah. And, and, the, and here's the thing, you know, a lot of people think that going for professional help means you're weak. And it's important to know that that doesn't mean you're weak. It really means you're strong mm-hmm. because you're willing to look at your problems. And here's the nice thing about depression. If you want to look at something that is nice, it is the um, mental situation that has the best prognosis. Mm. So um, if you go and get some help, um, though it feels really, really lousy, you have a pretty good guarantee that you're going to come out of it, that there is help for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one, I just want to circle back really quick to one other thing that you mentioned is um, mistaking grief for depression. Yes. And I believe we've talked in the past about the fact that uh, grief, if, if it lasts for an extended period of time can in fact uh, 
con- um, convert into depression. Is is that? Am I remembering correctly? Um, you may have heard that from somebody, but I don't remember saying that to you. Okay. Is I mean, is okay. that a, is that a thing? If you grieve too long, that you then become depressed. I mean, if you, it goes on for like months and months and months. I know we've talked about there's no like right amount of time to grieve. I think what we have spoken about is what's called a complicated grief, which is that there, there may be underlying issues or unresolved issues that make the grieving process difficult to resolve. Um, but I don't ever remember saying to you that grief turns into depression. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. Um, and so we, we talked about, um, this might be out of the realm of a spouse getting to the bottom of things, but what kind of conversations should um, spouses have um, to know if you need to escalate the situation? Escalate the situation, to, meaning go, go for help? Yeah, to go for help. Thank you. Well, I, I think that if you see that it's not um, getting any better, you mm-hmm. know, and like, again, if you see like it's going on for two weeks or more, that you just say, look, you know, I'm concerned about you. Um, I, I can't even imagine how awful it must feel, but there's no reason that you have to keep feeling like this. Um, you know, from things I've read or heard, I know that depression is something that, that can be easily helped. Um, but though you have my support, I'm not equipped to help you. Um, I'm more than happy to go with you if that would make it easier for you. Um, but, you know, there's no reason you should have to feel awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, let's, you know, let's see what we can do to get you some help. So, okay. And, and you know, it's one thing to have that conversation and to tell your spouse that, you know, you've recognized that they've been off and maybe there is some help available that they might want to look into. How do you go about that? What like what direction should you go in? Like what action should you take if you're a spouse who, who fears um, your, your husband or, or wife for that matter is spiraling out of control a little bit? Well, you know, the problem with depression is the person has no motivation. Mm-hmm. They have no energy. So it may be, you know, first you have a conversation and you want to validate that it feels terrible. And by the way, this is generally not something someone's doing purposely. And it's not something that they really have control over. Um, depression really is an illness. Um, it just depends on to what degree mm-hmm. it's happening. Um, so you want to validate that you know, it must feel awful and you understand that they're not doing this purposely um, and that, again, um, this is, you know, th- there is help for this and that you're willing to help them um, and, you know, go about the conversation that I just had. And then probably you're going to have to look for the therapist because they're not going to have the energy to look for somebody. So then you want to, you know, do some research in trying to find a couple of people that, you know, would fit the bill for you. Um, 
you know, you know your spouse, whether they might be more comfortable talking to a male or female, to somebody who's older than them or, you know, younger. You know, there's a couple of different things. The most significant thing in a successful therapy is the relationship you have with the therapist. So you want this to be somebody that um, your mate is going to feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, and I, I know we've talked about this in the past where, uh, if you don't like the therapist that you're seeing that you should continue to shop around, it's Absolutely. not something where you, you go to one person and you're like, well, that didn't work. Oh, I'm done with therapy. It doesn't work. Correct. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there are some people who come to me and they've gone to, you know, two or three people to see who, who they feel fits, you know, their mm-hmm. needs the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, uh, that's a great point. Um, okay. You so, know, we, I, I just want yeah. to say something, you know, yeah, yeah. we, we shop for clothes, we shop for cars. Um, but we don't think in terms, and even if we're going to go like for surgery, yeah. you know, we'll go for a second opinion, you know, or we'll, we'll check out a couple of doctors, but for some reason we don't do that with therapists and we should. Mm-hmm. Is that something that, uh, just to kind of alleviate some of the stress on our, our listeners here, is that something as a therapist that you... I mean, it sounds like you obviously encourage it, but when they come in and say, you know, I'm just kind of testing it out. Is that something that you are receptive to? Um, you know, if somebody says, to, you know, says to me, you know, I'm going to see somebody else or I saw somebody else. I am totally open to that. I say, you know, I think it's a really good idea that, you know, you find the person that you're comfortable with because again, all the research shows that that is a major factor in how successful the therapy is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, the last question I wanted to ask is, okay, so let's say we go down that rabbit hole where mm-hmm. your spouse has in fact had suicidal thoughts. They've, mm-hmm. they've sought help. Um, they've come out on the other end. They're doing well. Having been in that place, are they more susceptible to repeating that again in the future or do they acquire tools that makes it so that just doesn't happen in the future? Like what, where, where does that stand? Well, um, I guess a lot of it's going to have to do with the kind of therapy they have, because, um, if that is the kind of tool they've used, because it just feels like, you know, they, the challenge or the difficulty in facing problems is too hard. And maybe it's something they learned in childhood, like just, you know, get away from something, don't work it through. Um, it's a, it's a hard question to answer because what is the etiology? What is the reason Mm. that they chose, um, suicide as a possible, uh, answer to the difficulty that they're going through. If it's something that they learn from their childhood, then part of the work has to be in helping them understand where that belief comes from and uh, showing them that there are other ways to deal with challenging issues. Um, so I think you said it really best that if you if you learn other tools, then there's no reason to think that um, that's going to automatically be what you um, run to, mm-hmm. you know, in the future. Um, hopefully, um, you will learn tools where you might not even get depressed 
in the in the future or certainly you would see signs coming and you would know what to do so that you wouldn't get into that bad of a place going you know uh, uh, in the future mm-hmm. i i guess the the reason i ask that question is i can imagine a spouse mm-hmm. who has um been by the side of their husband or wife who has gone through all of this and then they have that little thing in their head that keeps thinking like, oh, sure. what, ha- what if that happens again? Or, you know, I'm afraid to leave the house uh, because I don't know, you know. So it sounds like if somebody seeks the proper treatment um, that they should be able to have uh, a new skill set to address it, uh, identify the triggers, um, avoid the that state of mind and in, in, in general. So, um it sounds like it shouldn't be too much of a concern going forward. Right. But, you know, you started this podcast comparing uh, suicide uh, deaths with deaths from breast cancer. Yeah. And so analogously, once you've had any kind of cancer, you're always worried, like, you know, am I now uh, going to be vulnerable to cancer? So it's totally understandable that, Either once somebody has made a suicide attempt or has, you know, thought about that in a real way that, yes, of course, you're going to worry. Is that something we now have to live with all the time, that concern? So that's understandable. But, you know, as you so eloquently put it just now, if you have learned a skill set um, where you have tools to deal with your issues and tools on how to handle them, Hopefully that would not happen again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that, so we're talking about, you know, gaining these, these tools uh, to address it. Uh, I want to say something like, and I, might, I, I apologize if I screw up this statistic, but I believe it's something around like 60% of all gun deaths uh, in the United States are, fr- are by suicide. And you mentioned how men are more emphatic with their attempts and Mm -hmm. the majority of that is with, with guns. And so if this is something, um, you know, uh, just a a simple suggestion, get rid of the guns in your home because, uh, you can't be as emphatic if that's not as not around. Um, obviously there are other ways to kill yourself. Uh, but considering that over half of all gun deaths in this country are from, uh, suicide, you know, eliminating that out of sight, out of mind type of thing, and we also know that um, you're, you're more likely to die by a gunshot if you own a gun than if you don't own a gun in this country. And uh, a lot of that is through domestic, ex- uh, domestic abuse. Um, and that is because when things escalate, um, that becomes an option, intentionally or not intentionally. That threat becomes a real um, option. Uh, when things get heated up. And the same thing I would imagine with uh, depression and suicidal thoughts, that becomes an option. But if you don't have it, it cannot be that option. You would have to go through steps and processes to to acquire one, which would be a lot more difficult. So Yes, yes, absolutely. I um, agree with you. But of course, you're going to get a huge part of the population who would uh, argue a different point of view. Bring I, it. I, <laughs> I say bring it on. If you want to challenge me on this, you go right ahead. I have the numbers and statistics to back it up. And um, I think this is one of the crimes of American society today is that we fail to address uh, mental health on a large scale 
um, when, when the signs are obvious, uh, you know, and since I'm going to get hate mail, I might as well throw it out there. The same thing with like climate change. People want to deny climate change, but the science is overwhelming. Um, I'm sitting here right now. It's 95 degrees where I live in the middle of October. So, (laughs) and I realize that weather and climate are two different things. So don't get, try to come at me with that one either. Uh, I got, I got it all. I'm ready. Come at me. Um, well, uh, I, <laughs> I'm glad we got some giggles at the very end because I realize that this is a very serious topic and it's not a laughing matter. Um, but I'm glad we had a little levity at the end, Karen. And I always appreciate your expertise and time. So thank you so much. It is great to be back and I look forward to doing this again very soon. Thank you, Steve. Uh, And before we do go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Um, You can find past uh, podcasts, uh, hundreds of them, on our website, hitchedmag.com. You can find thousands of articles on our website. Uh, And, you know, if you like what you hear and you want to stay up to date, sign up for our newsletter or follow us on uh, the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. We are on all of them. And uh, without further ado, we will say goodbye. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. And thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. All right, bye.